You're listening to the Cool Collaborations Podcast, a podcast about success in collaboration, where we hear about collaboration successes from around the world, and we'll look into what made those collaborations work. I'm your host, Scott Miller. Hello there. I'm so glad you're listening in today because this episode, this is number 35 in the Cool Collaboration series, is with Pradeep Yuen. Pradeep is the Senior Director at Microsoft for Inclusive Innovation and Solutions, which, by the way, is a really cool title as titles go. Pradeep is also the founder of Truths and Insights, which he describes as a conversation platform. In fact, our conversation today focuses a lot on truths and insights, almost entirely in fact, because there is so much rich ground to explore. We talk about biases, inclusion, storytelling, and so much more. Now, Pradeep is a pretty animated speaker, and you can hear his gesturing against his desk throughout our conversation, in case you were wondering what some of the background sounds were. We have a lot of fun, and I'm sure you'll enjoy our conversation. Good morning, Pradeep. How are you? I'm good, Scott. Where are you joining from today? So I'm joining from uh, Seattle, Washington in the United States. So let's kick this off with um, a bit of an introduction. So can you introduce yourself and maybe just give a, a snapshot of your background? Sure. Um, I'm uh, Pradeep Yuen. I'm Senior Director at uh, Microsoft for Inclusive Innovations. I'm also founder for Truths and Insights, which is a conversation platform that I had uh, invented for teams, organizations to have uh, inclusive conversations on. My background, I usually talk in terms of there is a background of mine, which is around engineering, electrical engineering, software engineering, architecture, software architecture work. Then a piece of my background, which is very business strategy, product management, marketing, that both in terms of education and experience. And then there is a part of my background, which tends to be in the design space, ethnography, observational-based uh, learnings of customers so that we can build better products, better businesses. And I combined all of that into uh, actually doing some new experiences in the marketplace, both at Microsoft, outside Microsoft with customers, and also doing a few of my startups. Uh, so fundamentally, I think I would, say I would describe myself now as a combination of all of that, which tends to be an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, because that means you're a hipster hustler, <laughs> <laughs> and a hacker all at the same time. So I know I get all that to actually say, hey, I'm pretty, I'm a hipster, I'm a hacker, I'm awesome, <laughs> <laughs> to enable inclusive conversations. You know, um, one of my previous guests had uh, pointed me in your direction over this the platform, you call it a conversation platform, Truth and Insights. That's kind of where we'll focus today, but I suspect a lot of your experience hacker, hipster, whichever ones you want to draw on, will come into the conversation because I'd like to kind of explore not just the platform, but mm -hmm. also some of what's behind it. You know, the science, the thinking, the approach, yeah, why it works, those types of things. So feel free to sort of jump into those things if you want to go there. But Absolutely. But to start with, we've got, you know, people listening who have no idea what we're talking about when we say truth and insights. So can you give me a sense of what that's Sure. What that platform is and kind of what's, what does it involve? So it is truths. So it's plural because there is no single truth. Different people come with different truths that they believe is the truth. And then we have to have these discussions. And, and as you can probably experience, there are different parts of the world where things are getting very bimodal. It's like you're either this or that. But experience tells us or maturity will let us know that there's a whole lot of middle ground where it's it's not just A or B. It's like there's a list of the alphabets that we can <laughs> engage with and a combination of it. And it's all negotiation for pretty much everything. And in that context, what we need to do to bring people together, and I say that in terms of bring people together over ideas or processes or product building or over Here's you joining a university. Now we have to work together to finish our education. Students in societies, in families, is conversation. And these conversations can be in many topics. But more and more, our life, especially because of the global nature of many cities around the world where there are multiple 
kinds of people, background, heritage, um, and then even economic groups are coming together to work together. So which means open to diverse opinions is important across business, across technologies, across ideas, and more patient conversations without being very binary in terms of positions, but just conversations to understand and lean in seems like the problem to solve for across multiple disciplines. What Truths and Insights as a platform enables you to do is have these discussions around topics where individuals can share their truth. So their view of the conversation we're trying to have and others can react in a way which is supportive, but not directly taking a position of, I agree with you, but from mm-hmm. a support person, empathy, I'm leaning in and I'm still trying to figure out. And later on having a sense of reflection, because as somebody speaks, it's an opportunity for us to empathize from their perspective, but also for us to reflect and understand where do I fit in into this? Does this change my perception of how I have been looking at the world or I, do I need a little more time data to figure it out? And the other side of truths and insights is can we aggregate that across groups, across teams, across families, across communities to now say that collectively, whether that collective is a neighborhood, collective is a city, collective is an organization, company, uh, university, any collective, can we as leaders in those collectives make better decisions because of these conversations? And, and it's on one end, it's, it's kind of unfortunate that we need a structured technology to enable a conversation. <laughs> but on the other hand, it's where we are at. We don't have these conversations. We tend to just TikTok tweet our way towards opinions. And the deeper discussion, debate, discourse is not being had. So we feel like there could be a way to leverage the technology we have to enable conversations, use data, aggregate, uh, and then engage uh, to be used. Scenarios are multiple, but really it's a conversation platform to enable people to come together and and just have uh, their truth shared. Can you describe kind of how it plays out? So. I've had the opportunity to experience truths mm-hmm. and insights. And I have to say the excitement that came from it from myself and from the, the others that we that participated in it was was palpable. Like it was interesting how quickly it went from kind of apprehension into growth, I guess you would call it. Yeah. So but people who are listening probably won't know. There's actually two aspects to it, and I hope you're going to describe kind of the both the the front end, the user side, and then kind of the back end. The like you say, what does leadership do with it? Yeah. So, so here is how I would actually describe it. Like people when they come together, like oh, it's a conversation. Words like platform. <laughs> let's have a conversation. Let's do storytelling. Right. We've used these words, especially in marketing, and and kind of ruined it because now it's like process. It's here's how you do it. Here's the keys. Here's the ten ways to. And and then it's just. On. But it's an art form that's held on for centuries. And when done well, it's phenomenally engaging and powerful. Like the same people who actually say, I don't have time. Can you summarize it within a paragraph, within 10 words, within uh, 20 seconds, are the same individuals who actually watch Game of Thrones without getting any distraction or binge watch <laughs> pick anything, right? The, the Mandalorian or, and then just binge watch the whole thing for hours on end without any distraction because the narrative is fantastically brought together. That's an art form. We cannot just short circuit. That's on one end, one extreme. But on the other hand, when you look at storytelling to actually say like, hey, here's a campfire stories that we went through and it sucked. You would not hear that because campfire yeah. stories are fun. <laughs> and it's not very structured either. It's just like people just talking. They're in, they're in that moment. They're investing time on each other, hopefully without the distraction of a phone, um, at least in Washington State. If you are doing campfires and, get, and getting to some place, you won't have the use of the phone because there's no coverage. <laughs> so, yeah. so the option of the phone is out already. <laughs> and as a result, what do you do? You, you go back to old practices of like, who's my entertainment? Well, you are. 
uh, my, my daughter is, my my uh, my cousin is, or whoever is around that camp. Yeah. And therefore, you just go around taking turns. Otherwise, people get upset. And it's just fundamental human takes just take turns and go around. There is no hierarchical structure, uh, even though you might go in as a group, family, multiple families, friends, that you're taking turns. So that is what we wanted to bring together, like that campfire nature of storytelling, turn-based, equity, that we can engage. But there's also, you would notice in those kind of scenarios, is there are a few people who are phenomenally great at storytelling and everybody's just leaning in and then going, like, okay, talk more, talk more. And there are people who are quiet. Personality traits or types come in, and it doesn't mean that potentially introverted person cannot tell a story. It's just like they just like listening and listen and learning. But when given the option and said, okay, now your turn, talk, they can be fantastic storytellers. And typically they are fantastic storytellers. They just don't, in a social setting, put their hand up and say, my turn, I'm going to do it. They're comfort- comfortable right. listening. And I'm just taking a stereotype of a personality type to make that point. But what if you can do, take turns and listen in and just bring that level of equity to a campfire situation, but they just say, let's just talk about this topic. And that topic could be anything. It could be education, going to college. It could be family. It could be culture and values in my team organization. It could be uh, some delivery leadership or project management or project stories from our past projects. It could be any topic that you can engage groups together and have turn-based storytelling where each individual brings uh, their perspective. So to seed that, because it's very hard to seed conversations because that's one big art of storytelling. What's what comes next? What comes next? What's the stitch together, like different acts in a big story? How do you go from one act to another to another? And therefore the entire campfire experience is going to be fantastic. That's a non-trivial piece. And we've designed it in such a way that there are prompts to enable that discussion that you can do that. So the best way to think about that is like if you played apples to apples or cards against humanity, uh, just think about that mad lib option of like incomplete sentences with a prompt that's brought together. For example, I have 99 problems, but blank is my biggest one. That could be a prompt. It's open-ended. Right. Now, the options I have in my... In, in front of me could be education, could be budget, could be time. Again, very open-ended. What is this pack about? Well, it could be just life in general. Yeah. It could be work because education, time, and uh, resources could be a work-related culture thing. It could be just at home, family thing, where all these three things still make sense and you want to have that discussion with your uh, team. So... You could play, let's say, a card, and I'm going to play the card, um, education. So now it says, I have 99 problems, but uh, education is my biggest one. Now, hit on that. I made a choice and said, I want to talk about this. I have an option I, I have now to tell a story of why that sentence that I created is true for me. And that's my perspective. And I'm, and I'm encouraging others to lean in. So I have to say, I have 99 problems, but education is my biggest problem. Why is this true for me? And I I start telling a story. So in this case, I can tell a story about like, well, it's been two decades since I've been at a university where I've had formal education. And going back and then just having that focus around, I shall just be doing learning and I don't have to worry about anything else would help me rewire a whole different way of like looking at the world or retooling myself in terms of skills. Instead, what I do have though, again, from a privileged position uh, where I work, is education specific to cutting edge technology, education specific to strategy, marketing, education to many different other topics, but it is all aligned towards making the organization I work being extremely relevant and useful to the industry and our customers. So it's, it's lined up that way. So from that aspect, it's it's very streamlined, action-based education, uh, almost like going to a polytechnic school, that I'm currently privileged to have and I'm thankful for. It. But the retooling, resetting of just me exploring, for example, if I went back to school, what would I learn? 
I would learn music or writing. Right. <laughs> Just fundamentally, like how to write scripts or how do I actually play this instrument that I don't know going in or the fundamentals of how melody plays with in terms of mood. I don't know. Maybe I should go to school. Alone. It's not relevant to where I work, but that could be something that would be education. So I have 99 problems, but education is my biggest one. And that's the story because I feel like I could I could learn a little bit more about uh, music and that would add a dimension to my life that uh, would I believe I'm missing currently. That's a true story. My truth. You don't have to disagree with that or agree with that. But right. I leaned in and I just brought that to you. Now, everybody who's around the campfire or whoever actually listening to this can now go with like, wow, you've inspired me to act or meaning they want to go pick up a guitar and then learn or pick up some instrument and learn, or they want to go to school or they could be like me too. Meaning they have some story. They feel like this story that I've shared unlocked something where they're going like, yeah, I feel the same way. Or you've changed my perception to learning that I always believed that learning had to be causal. Like that's to line up with the job I'm trying to do. And that's what I have to learn. It's not something completely about discovering yourself or, adding a new dimension to yourself and that could be how they could react or any ways in which they have connected because storytelling is about one person leaning and telling a story, but it activates for the listener ways in which they can see themselves in the story and how mm-hmm. they thread it. And when they do that, suddenly they understand things a bit different, but now you're connecting it back saying, tell me why and how. So tell me how it connected me to and then tell me why it connected that way for you. And when they articulate that first, they're probably making a commitment or learning something about themselves. In addition, I get to learn a little bit more like, wow, my thought here, which I just randomly just brought up about music. But when I articulated that, I'm like, you know what? I should start doing that. <laughs> Based on the reaction, I go, I get some support saying, yeah, there's others who feel like that. I should probably do this instead of having regrets. Or I'm inspired to do that, or maybe I should share this a bit more. So even there's this aspect of courage to speak up, empathy to listen, and on top of that, the ability for both parties to reflect about where they're at in their journeys, family being part of it, education being part of it, work being part of it, community being part of it, and everything else, on where they're at on on all of these dimensions and then figure out what they would want to do. That's a very introspective experience, and I'm just using technology to enable structured conversations. So that's the truths and insights game, gamified nature of the conversation platform. It's not a game, meaning it's not played for entertainment. It is entertaining, but it is uh, what, what theorists call it, the serious gaming, where uh, this is about actively activating something with a broader purpose. And here the purpose is about reflection, learn a bit more about yourself, connect with the group that is around you. So very much in line with that campfire thought model. The other side is, of course, another thing we can talk about, but a little pause and then... Well, what I was going to reflect on a little bit was my experience with the game was that, I mean, it's like you say, it's fairly structured in that there's a set of cards, there's some ways that you play, and the prompts are structured in that you have only the responses in front of you to use in reaction. But of course, the story that you put around it is your own. Uh, and what what I thought was interesting from all of the responses, the stories that were told, was how quickly they went to sort of not the first story in the list, right? Everybody has a set of stories that they use. I mean, I, I can attest to this. I use tell the same stories over and over again. But when you the games part of it, the card portion drives you to tell stories that fit that circumstance, and which I think is mm-hmm. really revealing of yourself, right? Like the first layer you talked about is is introspection for me anyway. Mm-hmm. And I like, well, I don't think I would have just told that story randomly, yeah. like uh, at a campfire. And that's all designed, right? So that portion of the the card game is a des- is designed to do that. And so, can you give a little sense of how? how it came about. Like, how did you go from, well, we should explore storytelling to this notion of using this kind of construct? Yeah. So so overall, like my view on the world is with, with all good intent, we are forced to be in boxes or we choose to be in boxes. And this comes across when in, in the conversation questions asked of each other, 
And the boxes we put in self would be like, I work at blank. <laughs> I am a blank. And it would be a profession and, and everything else. And therefore, if I actually ask a question like, hey, Scott, do you paint? Do you draw? And, and, and usually people then go with like, no, I do blank. They go back to the original <laughs> blank. If you ask again, uh, your kids, my kids are four-year-old daughters. So, so I know you have younger kids as, as well. Right? So you ask them anything. Do you sing? Do you draw? Do you paint? Do you run? The answer is always yes. And can and if you actually look at like, can you or as a parent do all of those better than the kid? And the answer typically is also yes. <laughs> Yet our answer is no, I don't paint or draw. But the kid says, yes, I am. And I'm great. And dad, you're like my dad, my kid actually says, you're the best painter in the whole world because I paint slightly better than her. And her world is constrained. But I like to have that sense of invincibility when it comes to painting, and I'll deal with that with my kid, and it's great. But you see how without any other external influence, we ourselves have put ourselves into a box and taken a position of a strong negative space of no. Because we say yes to a very finite list of things, and then the answer to pretty much everything else is no. Are you a storyteller? No. Can you cook? Nope. I mean, sure you can. Sure, anyone can. It might be, we might be calling microwave cooking cooking, but but you we're setting our own bars of here's the quality. If it doesn't meet that, I'm done. And I refuse to put in the effort to actually increase my quality beyond that. Because if we did, we can all do anything we put on mind. We just choose not to in, in many of the cases. So these are boxes and, and in the organizations it's even worse. It's like you are sales for audiences in this market for this product. Not that you couldn't be a marketing person for a different audience and a different product and a different company. It's just, therefore, you shall talk with these bullet points following this template and going forward. These are how we have engaged. That's exactly how we write programs with rules on how our computers engage. So my point is, as, as automa automation is happening, the more and more we stick to these boxes, the more these roles is not going to help define us because where humans stand significantly above and beyond machines is where we color between boxes, across boxes, what boxes, there are no boxes right. uh, in, in the world kind of an aspect. So given that, I guarantee for any combination of any card, there are stories anyone will have about themselves. They might not have thought about it. They might not have chosen that as the first thing because they have these preconceived biases. And I don't mean biases from anything else other than biases from your own understanding, education, and everything else about these topics. Like even when it comes to parenting, what you should eat for breakfast. You'll have biases of what that answer is. I will have mine. They are based on certain things. Can we exchange and then go with like, is that your breakfast from tomorrow? And then you'll be like, no, I can't have that for breakfast. Yes, you can. You choose not to. Same thing on my end. Like, if you threw, if you give me a few, some of your breakfast, I'm like, no, that's not breakfast for me, my berries. But can it be breakfast in general? Of course, it can be. So, right there, we just enabled inclusion. On let's just change just breakfast for tomorrow and shatter the biases we have in terms of what that means for that time, in terms of what's on my plate. So there are so many stories that we can all have and share. They may not be the best story that we, again, put on ourselves. And these are all barriers that we are putting on ourselves. So what if we could share openly and, and then have these discussions and enable others to like react to that? And where this aligns up, and this is the fundamental mission of Microsoft and why I, I choose to work uh, in this company is is the mission for Microsoft is to enable every individual and organization to achieve more. And I choose to interpret that as achieve more than what you already have done. And that could be increasing more of your superpowers. Uh, it could be increasing more of what you say yes to. And that could mean more of reflection, more of talking to others and more of engaging. So all that is theory, opinions. But in terms of design, where it comes to is like design of constraints, like you're only given five cards and you're given one prompt. So in that example that I gave you, right, you have 99 problems and blank is my biggest one. 
there are a hundred other cards, but the cards that were given in my hand was education and it was uh, time and it was resources. And I choose to play education. I told you that story about music. I could have chosen resources and then talk about a completely different environment and then uh, go with uh, go with a completely different story, but something else. So point is, any combination will start putting people, individuals into a choice of, do you have the courage to share something that might make you feel like you're vulnerable? And are you choosing it to lean in? And for others, as somebody is taking that leap of trust, are you going to be leaning in to actively listen with empathy and then share, share your thoughts on like, oh, me too, I'm inspired to act or I've changed my perception. Like these are icons they could go in. And if they do, I think reflection will happen on both ends. Things will move on. But fundamentally, that group feels like I belong with these individuals and these individuals are part of this group organization and I belong more. So the belongingness increases. Belonging for a city, belonging in an organization like a university, company, belonging in a family, again, is, is, is also important. Belonging in a community, neighborhood, so belonging cohesiveness so that the group that's there can actually be more effective and efficient in what they're trying to achieve or being better at themselves. So that was the theory that, uh, that you had to bring it down to principles and beliefs and then design it in such a way that nobody has to know the theory at all. <laughs> yeah, It should just be simple. They're just entertained. They feel value and uh, they just enjoy and they engage. It. But that's how we did a lot of research, came down to principles and then did some uh, design, incredible amount of testing, eventually leading down to like, oh, this is all it is, five cards and it shall be played in this way and then let's engage. Yeah. The other aspect that I was quite interested in once we I had a chance to experience the game was there's the card the card aspect where you're having to, to come up with the story. So that's the individual telling the story. So you talked about the constraints of of the prompt and and your suite of potential responses that's in your hand, but then the, then it also is structured in a way that allows I wouldn't say allows it prompts people to respond and using the reaction the ability to react to the story as it's being told and 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 also to be able to track that uh, over time and I want to get into the back end of the of the the platform as well but uh, I thought that was really interesting because. By having the the ability to react and keep changing your reaction, it actually makes people listen and yes and react. That's what I noticed. The first round, not so much because I wasn't quite tuned in. But as as I got into it, this was the case of saying, "Oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm kind of curious about that." So you click on that button, and then you, you can react in real time. And I thought that was really an ingenious part of the whole the whole process. Have you noticed? really interesting stories coming up or or I guess they would all be interesting stories, but have you sort of gotten things that were like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that or weird reactions? Like have you, what kinds of experiences have you seen when, when playing the game? Uh, when they're telling the story or when they're reacting and then the follow-up, which part? Uh, let's go with the stories to start with. Okay. So, so given the constraints, especially in the first round when everybody's trying to understand the mechanics and, and they all come from a place of, uh, apprehension because they're humans and, and we don't just trust things. So it's, it's understandable, very human. And they start from a place of apprehension. Then immediately, biases show up, meaning I see that question. I have the answer in my head. The first thing that came to my mind, I see these cards. They're not what in my, what's in my mind. I, I don't have a card to play. It showed up in our game. It shows up every yeah. single time on any edition played anywhere in the world. But I usually go first, and, and I try to choose a card where, based on what I would have chosen, the immediate reaction is like, that doesn't make sense for most of them. Like, like they would immediately be like, why did he play that? That doesn't make sense. I wouldn't have played that stupid guy. <laughs> then I would tell a story. So like, like, let's just make one, make one up right now. Like, I have 99 problems, but blank uh, is my biggest one. And, and if, let's say... Uh, the blank in the in this conversation was 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 it was. I'm thinking. I'm thinking family. Yeah. Yeah. I just go with the color now. Immediately, people think like, "Yeah, 19 problems. Color is my biggest problem." 
there is one way in which I can take that discussion, and and then that could make that conversation pretty charged, given that uh, I, you know I'm, I'm brown and so on. But the way I would do that is like, as you can see, I'll pick a color, any color. I can probably find it on my shirt. That's what I'm. That's the kind of shirt I'm wearing, and 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 that's the kind of shoes I wear too. I would it be rainbow. Why? Because my my uh, daughter's favorite color is rainbow. I did not tell her rainbow is not a color by the way we define it. I just let her think that rainbow is a color. She likes rainbow. So the more each time I wear shirts or shoes like these, she beams. She wants to hold my hand. I have twins. So the rainbow, uh, the girl likes rainbow. Not that the other one doesn't, but she has more specific <laughs> colors she likes. Wants to hold my hand and she wants to be with me all the time because I want to be with rainbow. Like there's this aura that found me. And and now I have 19 problems, but color is my biggest one, is that there's only so much rainbow-based accessories and shirt that I can continue to buy. <laughs> because this is America, things tend to be gray, black, and blue for guys and lighter pastels for women. And that's Whereas if I was in Asia, you'll find colors, like in colors on cars and stuff. So yeah. even colors on cars, like... I would buy a rainbow car if it's there. It's not <laughs> because the kids would be having fun, but it's not available. So that's how I'm going to tell my story of my biggest problem is finding color in the choices in America for me to buy so that the kids are happy. I would buy a rainbow car. I would buy a rainbow computer, but only choices are black and silver and white. I hate it. Well, actually, I don't, but my kids hate it. I just use it for functional. <laughs> yeah. That's my story. Is that a story you expected to hear? Or they said color, probably not. You would have, would you have chosen color over education, time, and resources? Again, probably. I don't mean you, but in general, yeah. you would not. But I put color. You assumed a few things, but I told my story, which I made up. I've never told this story before. Uh, I completely made up, but it, it is true about uh, Avantika liking uh, rainbow and so forth. But it does open up in terms of, yeah, our choices in terms of automobiles and computers and everything tends to be in a few colors, and it's just blocked that way. And I would pay a bit more for multicolored choices, and and it's not there. It's a marketing opportunity that I just opened up uh, with that idea. Now, by me stating that, suddenly you realize that you can tell a story about anything. It's all yeah. fair game. But... What I did, did it said is potentially an opportunity. Like, for example, I do know that there is, uh, in fact, Peter Fisk that you talked to, he, he has it on his book about multi non-white toilet paper. Why is toilet paper white? And then there are people who are actually, they're selling, there's a company that sells orange, green, blue toilet paper. Why should toilet paper be brown? <laughs> would be white. Like, it's actually a horrible idea when you really think about it. <laughs> so... So different kinds of colors that that, that engages, and, and there's actually many companies that are just exposing that, like Apple when it came up with these big monitor-looking computers, the the iMacs, decades ago, which is all mm -hmm. these bubblegum colors, which were, again, which was not the black and silver of, of every other company. So that's notion of constraint of the cards, and then showing that, hey, I can pick any card here and then tell a story and it's still valuable. Is it the first card I would pick? Like based on what criteria? That's again a bias thing. So sharing that, did it actually help things? It probably did, but not the way you thought about with the preconceived notions and biases up front. Yeah. So in our workplace and communities, we get into these, I have to teach, I have to share, I have want people to do this stuff and it'll do this linear way. Whereas what we are doing now is let's just have social learning and push each other to inspire each other and share stories which are not in your top 10 rehearsed prioritized lists or top 15. Just think. And then things open up. Like I just put color. I had to think, as you know, like that happens. So what the card enables you to do is like good storytellers, which leaders tend to be, successful leaders tend to be. Uh, they're forced to think beyond their repository of stories. Yeah. And then even, even there with the game, like I literally made up that card for that. And then I was putting my own constraint because I was showing you that design at work. And then I had to think of like, oh, that one. And then I started telling in. And as I was telling the story, the story unraveled itself. 
and I had a good ending because you needed a three act. I didn't plan on the three acts before, but I closed it back and say, okay, here's the business. And then here's Peter Fiskett, which is hook back to you because that's how we connected to a specific author who connected yeah. to both of us. And then therefore it's like, that's a pretty good story when it, when it ends up with a callback to the reference uh, early on. It's just classic uh, writing style. When you do that, then you go like, wow, that's what it unlocked. And then suddenly, then there is others to like uh, react into. So that takes courage for somebody to just go with like, I believe I have stories for anything. I just have to look deeper into my own past and bring it up. And as you do that, you'll also realize how grateful you are for the incredible experiences that all of us have had in our lives. But we just highlight the top 1% or 2% and then box ourselves towards like, that is what I shall do again and again and call it a career or life or whatever. But we are doing so many things, so many other things. So that's what this is around. So that constraint enables people to like go there. And then when they start connecting it up, the approach which they do, they have to think a bit more. They might use too many words. It's not efficient. But eventually, they get the story. They lock it down. And then when there's somebody else reacting, like I told the story, I didn't get a reaction. But usually for that, I might have had a couple of inspired to act, a few me too's maybe, changed perceptions. And then that's my reaction to like, wow, good luck on that crazy new story you've never told before, <laughs> but here's my reaction. Then I go, you know what? I should write that story down and repeat it. Or, eh, that didn't work. Yeah. Let me try something else. Or why did it not? But usually based on those, it always resonates in some way, form or another, might be different. So it's active learning mindset, a growth mindset right. for everybody. Well, it, it does reflect for me that the constraints of the card, and I'm using you know the good old air quotes, that they're not really constraints. You view them as constraints to start. You put your view of your responses, your potential cards up front, and then you have to actively sort of work through that and explore, like you say, some of the things that are part of your life today that mm-hmm. can be part of a potential story, uh, which is a muscle. I think the more you would play the game and the more you would work through that, the more people would start to think like that yeah. outside of that context. Right. So I kind of want to flip to the other side of it because there's a whole backside to to this as well. And I kind of want to, to get a sense of what kinds of of technology and analytics and what what's on the backside of, of essentially a, a group of people sitting around telling stories to one another. So what can that turn into for, yeah. let's say, leaders? Yeah, so... so- most, most of your listeners are probably working in organizations uh, in, in jobs. And, and in that case, you've been through an offsite. You've been through a meeting. You've been through an all-hands or a conference. And this can be categorized under team building. But essentially, what's your opinion? What's your opinion? What's your opinion? And people taking turns and sharing opinions. And then if you worked long enough in that organization or, or, or just in general, you realize you're probably sharing the same pet peeves that you've had before. Similar ideas that's been done before. And after a while, you go with like, well, we talked about this last year. Nothing's moved on. Share this again. Can we prioritize this? Oh, we don't have budget. Okay, fine. Next year, again, same thing. That eventually leads to people leaving organizations because you can give one a pass, two passes, three passes, and then they you just lost. So there's attrition. Now, what if you actually learned from all of those conversations from the aspect of lived experiences. So when they are Mm -hmm. sharing those stories, you capture it. And when decisions are done in a completely different timeframe, in a different boardroom environment where those stories are not come in because you have to summarize stories to bullet points on a PowerPoint or a spreadsheet number, which eventually is going to be put on a constraint of like timeline, funds, and it never connects up. A story will make it to a bullet point somewhere uh, down the org chart. But by the time it actually goes to a decision, it's lost. It's lost context, especially at scale. It's lost context. That's the problem we were trying to think about, is empower the storytelling at the individual level, aggregate with deep respect on privacy so that the individual identity is not captured 
let me repeat, the story identity is not captured. But you aggregate at the organizational level and then bring it up to the leadership and then uh, say, like, you want to think about what are frustrations in your organization? Here are stories. Here's a frustration of, of a person who, who doesn't have color in the choices of products he sees for automobiles and shoes to make kids happy. I would act, I mean, it's a true story. I would buy a rainbow car if it's available. It's not. <laughs> I would actually yeah. change from the badge that I currently use to something else based on just the aspect of there's color uh, options other than black, gray, and white that exists predominantly in America. Uh, so that's a frustration. But that's a frustration I just shared. Now, if let's say that story, which was completely personal, mine, had four Me Too's, that's not just an individual. That's some other people inspired by it and then said, you know what? You're right. Why the hell am I driving black cars all the time or white cars or silver cars? I think I would like some color, especially if you live in the Pacific Northwest. Gray is what you get from the sky. Sun is what you don't see till summer shows up. And then after three months, you're back to gray again. Color is what we need a lot, especially yeah. here. So uh, then suddenly I just, like, I just went from individual to opinion to market segment with an agile and then especially in the Seattle area, disposable income is pretty high. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> test it out. You, you put a premium price point and suddenly you have a business uh, with, with higher margins. That's a boardroom discussion, which went from an idea supported by a few me too's. Right. Now, I was just going with the story that I've shared before to make this point. What are other stories like that that could be unlocked in your team, organization, community, family, that when aggregated with this, with the data of here's other individuals who said, I'm not saying who said me too. It just says there were three me too's, four me too's. Yeah. So, which is much better than our current paradigm of post-it notes on a wall in a workshop with the extremely good mathematical tool that we call one, one, one cross. That's five, <laughs> one, 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 like from caveman times that we still use in the boardroom yeah. to count. Oh, that idea got seven words. Uh, one, 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 five. <laughs> seven words. Then you start getting there to count. But your organization is 7,000, not seven, but the decision was done with seven in that room. That's yeah. in one way privilege of the people who are there making a decision, but did they have the insight of the 7,000? Would it be more inclusive to include the 7,000? And can the 7,000 share it through stories? And if the answer is yes, how do we do that? Well, AI, natural language processing, sentiment analysis, uh, things in the cloud, uh, when done with uh, privacy and data guidelines met, and that's... Uh, I would say it's the easy part for me. Yep. The design and the thought was much harder because that's research, that's a lot of reflection, that's skill. The tech is not that hard once you know what you're solving for. It's usually right. not that hard once you're solving for. So yes, we have, we, then we start taking all of that enabled storytelling, bring it all back, drop the identity, and then start uh, saying like, here's insights among people that we are seeing. Put that over time, put that across geographies, and then you can see Here's, here are sentiments or clusters of words used now well, when, when the pandemic is coming out and then there is a war uh, or an invasion going on. Then let's say, and the stock market is going the other way than what we've been used to for, for a while. Then you start uh, doing that, let's say, six months from now, compared to six months before when uh, we were not mm -hmm. sure if pandemic's coming out or a year before when uh, there was a cultural understanding of inequity and uh, we didn't know the pandemic would close at all. Are we going to be working like that? So the uncertainty levels are different. So when you start looking at sentiment words and comparing with contextual stories, yeah. can we now make a much more holistic leadership decision than if we just stuck to our management science data deficiencies, I would say, uh, in terms of, you know, based on these numbers or my count five, seven that we are doing for whiteboards so it's it's another data layer but brought from like let's be inclusive in un, in listening to uh inviting and and therefore when people individuals are sharing and listening to that aggregating insights that we can bring forth with deep respect on uh 
privacy. Because everybody should be aware that when they share the stories, their stories are going to be used to make better decisions. And if, if that's not something they're comfortable with, they can choose to opt out of that whole thing. Yeah. But when people engage with the aspect of, okay, here's how it's going to be used and here's what, and at any point they don't want to participate, they can. And even if they change their mind and say, I want my data out, they can get the data out because we built it with GDPR compliance uh, being brought in. So right. that, that's that's the back end on how it's designed, why it's designed. And and you've had, I mean, when you mentioned it when we were doing our session, that you had rolled it out and, and used this platform on quite a large scale. So kind of what's the largest rollout you've had? Like how many people have been participating in one session, let's say? No, so, so, so the way to think about this is, is actually, this can be rolled out in global organizations. Yeah. It's ideally done with the uh, with the hands of, for first, what are we trying to have a discussion around? So what right. are the additions? What are the topics? And depending on that, who should be deploying it in within what construct? Like, these are big dis- discussions to have. And then comes down the rollout. Are we trying to do rollouts in terms of, let's all do it in an all-hands, you know, multi-geographical, large organization, which means simultaneously. Uh, then it's about, in, so the games are played in groups of six or seven because you need to have an right. intimate campfire. If you, if you start having a campfire with a thousand people, it's not a campfire. <laughs> that's a very <laughs> different thing. We keep it back to that campfire notion. So that's six right. or seven. You go, everybody's around the campfire. You can all take turns without being bored. Otherwise, there's just not enough marshmallows to go around to, uh, into the fire with a thousand people. So, so it's multiple campfires. So it's a festival. It's a multiple yep. campfires groups of seven uh, at the most that can happen at the same time, which means you need facilitators first up and then do that. So it's just a scale, that's your scale issue. The technology can handle it just fine. Right. It's making sure that the people are having a good discussion for the first. Now, afterwards, of course, there are ways in which you can start engaging this in a very different manner. But the other aspect is how do, can I roll this out over time? Meaning I can go team yeah. by team, org by org, and and then just do that. So even with a small rollout kind of option, you just say like, hey, for next month and a half, we're going to take care of picker geography and then let's just roll through that. And then mm-hmm. you go through team by team and then make sure at the end of that uh, time period, could be a month, could be a quarter, we'll have all the data. Um, right. <laughs> sort of like census. <laughs> it takes a whole year <laughs> to do a census for some countries. Uh, it takes multiple years. I come from India, so, so it takes multiple years to actually do a census <laughs> for the entire nation of a billion something, because not everybody has access to digital. So right. this is is like that. Like how how are you going to go around and then be committed to that intimate campfire nature? You could do it simultaneously, but there's, you just have to bring in more facilitators. It's not required by the game, but then it, it works better with that for the first time. Now, right. once that's part of the culture in terms of we have discussions and we trust each other to have that and you're comfortable and we know the mechanics of, of this because uh, not, not everybody has played card games uh, or, or they're comfortable online. But once they've done that a couple of times and it's part of their, you know, the, the way they engage, then it'll be much simpler and faster and can be even more right. real time. So from that aspect, this can be rolled out across the world through organizations very easily. So scale-wise, technology-wise, it can handle it because we built it for that kind of enterprise-grade scalability. But your operational constraint is, is about how many humans do you want to employ to engage that? It Does that right. make sense? Because you have to train. So how big a cohort do you want to train up front? Uh, or do you want to train a small team and then go and then just be okay with I'll roll it out over a longer period of time versus right. a shorter one. So it's trade-offs, it's discussions, just like most uh, software plus services kind of a approach right. to deployment that has to be considered. You know, there's so many different ways we could go with the discussion, and I, I'm cognizant that we're kind of coming towards the end of the time. I'm curious, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wanted to add? Again, I, I could take this in any, any way. <laughs> But overall, my, the only thing I would, I would add is at the fundamental level, what we are trying here to do is encourage people to have a growth mindset. Because 
however expertise or, 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 or open we might believe we are, we probably are not open enough for the other point of view that somebody else has, even in the same topic or the same context. And then this is the source of many problems that we have seen come again and again and again over multiple years. And that open mindset to have a growth-focused view is what we're trying to do with Roots and Insights. And the way we are unlocking that is through storytelling. If I just said a statement like, I want to drive a rainbow car, you would go, this guy is crazy or it's nuts or it's infeasible. It's not possible. I don't want to listen to you. You went from decisions to final judgment and then an action. I'm like, yeah, switch off. But if I put it in the context of her, she has a vodka, she likes colors, she has no stuff. And then she smiles and she gets so much happiness doing that. And therefore, I started changing my shoes, changing my shirts, and she gets even more happy. She holds my hand. And therefore, can I buy a car which is rainbow so she will drive with me and not with mommy? Uh, or she wants to choose my car, not, not mommy's car. Uh, not that there's a competition. You <laughs> would do that. And suddenly, all of you might think about like, you know what? I need a rainbow car. Let's make the market for a rainbow car. Transformation happens. This is consistent. Like storytelling unlocks so much. And then we need to talk with more people. We need to open up our data to, 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 to reframe our own perspectives on things we think we are experts on. Yeah. That is what I would like to leave with. Like that's the core thesis that uh, we are trying to work, work on. Storytelling, growth mindset, can solve for unconscious biases. And, and, I'm, and in the context of pretty much anything, and I was just using a few stories that are very personal from a family perspective, but you can see how those fundamentals can be on any topic. That makes sense to be had in your groups, organizations, communities, and so forth. So that's my last thing that I don't want to leave with. So, well, I have a couple of just short questions for you, but... One of my takeaways from the conversation today and also the session was that the front end, the, the card play portion, regardless of the back end and, and the analytics and what it can turn into at an organizational scale, which is fantastic, even if you only ever played the front part with your friends, you will learn a ton with this game. Right. So you're right, it's the conversation and the storytelling is the, the heart of the whole, the whole thing. I'm curious... Uh, with a couple of questions left, what in your journey from youth to now and all of you, the things you've learned sort of along the way, whether it's with Truth and Insights or other, what would be a piece of advice you would give to a teenager today? I know your daughters are younger than that. My daughter is 16. So there, there's two things I would actually say, uh, especially to teenagers. The, the first one is actually, however much you disagree or hate your parents. <laughs> Teenager, right? Because it's true across cultures or anywhere in the world. Know that they are doing this with the best intent possible, given this best skill sets that they have garnered to give the best possible versions of themselves and resources that they have their hands on and they can do for you. You can still disagree and hate them currently in your teenage years for that. But just assume that intent is absolutely true in all of that. The best across intent, resources available and everything else. And then that's what they and, and they want the best for you probably to excel even more than anything that they have done themselves. Right? That's the first one. It's very hard truth to take, mm-hmm. but... That would be the first one. Just start there and then go that and then just be attempt to be kinder to the parents. And if you are excellent, do a little bit more. Like Because it's super hard to be parenting a teenager. They will get there when they're ready for it in their life. Yeah. But that would be putting them on the path. Because once they do that, like being kind to somebody who's disagreeing with me, which is in this case a parent, that sets them up for life beautifully. Right. Because each time somebody's disagreeing with them, boss colleague, another student, boyfriend, girlfriend, yeah. a person of a different background with their perspective. Now you're suddenly going with kindness and empathy and leaning in and, and it just sets you up beautifully. It's very hard 
to fight with somebody who leans into empathy and not collaborate with them. This is about cool collaboration. Like you start with empathy. So that that is my first one. You know, start with kindness towards parents because they need it if you're a teenager. So please <laughs> share that. And then when you practice that, because it's not easy to be kind to your parents uh, either. We make it hard. <laughs> but if they do that, it's a practicing thing. Then they can do that on strangers a lot more. Strangers, including yeah. anybody who's not a family, like colleagues, etc. And then the whole world opens up so much more, so much e- easily. That would be my first one. Second one is something that I've already alluded to, which is don't put yourself in the box in, in in a box. However much people want you or invite you to do that, because the world will want to put you in a box. Uh, don't. Uh, you don't have to fight it. And one way of not being put in a box is to be in multiple boxes at the same time comfortably. Just lead people to believe that you are in their box too. <laughs> so you don't have to be in just one box, but if the only way for you to be in a box that you want to be in is for them to believe that you are in that box, fine, be in that box and be in the other box and be in the other box. And by that, uh, you'll be in as many boxes as you want. And by as a result of it, you're not in a box. So it, it is still going back to the fundamentals of what what we are trying to solve for, which is yeah. growth mindset, empathy. There, that's 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 my teenager uh, advice. <laughs> Hopefully, that works. <laughs> that well, that does work. It's in what I find interesting is I've had this discussion with some friends around how society and parents and others pressure kids to put themselves in a box and they need to figure that out whether that's even you know peer pressure it's i'm i'm this person or that person yes and then they struggle with the fact that they're not even sure if that's the box the box for them mm-hmm. and so your advice of just just be in all the boxes maybe there's a there's a rainbow colored t-shirt with that on it i can see that coming the yeah. be in all the boxes so my last question, it's one I always ask. Everybody who listens to the podcast will be knowing what I'm about to ask. I always ask for either a, like a book recommendation or it doesn't even have to be a book. It could be some other kind of resource, something that you will often refer to or, or refer others to or give as a gift. Is there any, any book or resource that kind of jumps into that category? It does. It's not probably what you want to hear. So if, if this is out of scope, then tell me and then I'll change my book. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't put yourself in a box is one of or one of or the collection of uh, asterisk asterisks so it's it's a comic book series out of belgium uh, I, I actually i have it here right here there's here's one example look this is this is asterisk omnibus it's it's about the gauls uh belgians french and and each one of these journeys is is around how Asterix goes to Spain, Asterix goes to uh, Corsica, or Portugal, or, or 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 Greece, and so on. And the thing is that book it's it's not that big in the U.S., but it's in over forty or fifty languages, mm-hmm. and it's extremely popular in the world outside North America. <laughs> So in the world, it's popular. I read this Belgian comic book, and it's one of the top ones in India. You'll find the same thing. Like you'll find T-shirts in Thailand uh, yeah. with them. Here, it's 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 not there. But then you know, it's America. It's not the world. Uh, so <laughs> for the rest of the world, uh, it, it is a big deal. But the way I think I, it's it's a good recommendation is it's extremely funny from from almost like British humor perspective. Like yeah. tremendous puns. When I first read it uh, as a, they started in 10, 11, it was about this story, you know, uh, protagonist, antagonist travel. And then you get to like, wow, Spain. And I've never been to Spain at that point. I was, I was you know, this kid in India. But then I've traveled now to like 50 plus countries. And, and now when you go there, like, oh my goodness, they're, they're mocking that stereotype uh-huh. of blah. Like when they're going to Spain, suddenly Asterix is, talking about rice with like seafood. I'm like, oh, that's the paella. I had no context for when I did that before. Now they're doing that. But there's also contextual and political satire of the times and the current ones built in, which is there. So the layered narratives is, is where you start unpeeling things. And now you start understanding it very different. So that is exactly what, again, for qualifying back to Truths Insights, it's, it's where you're going there. It's like we go to that simplistic, 
here's the causal and therefore you're bad and make this clear judgment. And therefore it's this, but there's layered narratives to anything and the perspectives are all different. Yeah. So this is about like how a Belgian French village combo are going into different countries and then seeing the world from their perspective yeah. and, and how this plans out while uh, different heritages and it's coming in. So that was my, way of traveling before I could even travel <laughs> to understand. But even now when I read it, as you see, I, I have the entire collection now and, and I still go through it every now and then because I don't have time for fiction. Most of my other books are all nonfiction. Right. Comic books are my fiction. And uh, this one has these cultural nuances, layered storytelling, which uh, Marvel and DC don't have. So even though I read those, it's, it doesn't have those. The same depth. The yeah. Layered depth. So I would encourage people to start, especially if you're, if, you're, if you're listening to this in North America, because you've never heard about Asterix uh, and Oblix, to, to start exploring that and then look at it uh, in terms of all these, you know, just, just different forms of humor then cultural narratives and then the political satire, all in a kid's book. So yeah. when the kids read it, it's different. But when you read it as an adult, then you understand it at a different level. And it's uh, very intelligent and smart humor. But you also understand the world at a different depth. Right. And that's pretty much what the core of, or the essence of truths and insight is like just understanding same things with different depth so that you can unlock your own unconscious bias by having a growth mindset there. Well, I, appre- I appreciate your contribution to the book list. Uh, as you can tell, I, I asked that of everyone. And so I have quite a list of different books that <laughs> I can work through. And this would be the first comic book. Uh, I have heard of Asterix. I have not read any of it. So I will, I look forward to reconnecting to sort of tell you what I've learned from that. <laughs> so thank you very much for your time today. I know we could have gone in lots of different directions. I, I absolutely appreciate and I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak with you, but also to experience the Truths and Insights platform myself. So having had a chance to try it out, uh, I'm keen to, to see it when it's, when it's out in the, in the world. Yeah, thanks for having me, Scott, and then the opportunity. So it was good to actually discuss. You know, here here's what here here's a potential cool collaboration way for organizations to engage in, or even teams to engage in, and actually talk through the the why, like why did we build this, like what was the context. Uh, usually, I don't get to talk about that. I get to talk a lot more in terms of mechanics and and rollouts and and, uh, and technology stuff, but the why. Uh, it, is, is where the uh, the deep thinking and then the work was. So we're really fortunate to discuss. And I'm absolutely sure we could go much deeper. So thanks again. I've had a great many conversations through the course of this podcast. And this discussion with Pradeep is definitely one of my favorites. There are many lessons within this episode. So I had some trouble picking one or two to focus on. However, my conversation with Pradeep has really highlighted for me the boxes that we put ourselves into. We often hear about how we might categorize or pigeonhole others based on certain attributes of their job or their gender or their race. But we do the same things to ourselves. As we get older, the boxes become our identity and the stories we tell all revolve around reinforcing that identity. What Truths and Insights does is break you out of those boxes and allows you to practice seeing things from different perspectives. And you get to practice in a fun way and in a safe way. But the back end of the conversation platform is equally important. The ability to take insights from these campfire style stories is also really important. It's needed and truths and insights kind of takes it to another level. Now everyone can have a hand in decision-making because their reactions and their analysis can be aggregated up to whatever level decision-making is happening at without any attribution. So it allows leaders to get a sense of how people see particular issues or particular challenges, and then it allows them to see how that resonates across their organization. This is an episode that I think you'll want to share. So perhaps maybe pick two friends that you feel would appreciate this conversation with Pradeep and send them a link to the show. If you took something specific from the episode that you found insightful or helpful, it would be great if you could post a comment about it on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to leave a rating while you're there. Until the next time, thank you for listening and happy collaborating.
You've been listening to Cool Collaborations. Please make sure you visit collaboration-dynamics.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, in Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to sign up for our mailing list so interesting things like blog posts, upcoming training, or collaboration tips and tricks can come to your inbox. If you like what you heard, I'd be grateful for a rating in Apple Podcasts. Of course, if you'd like to just tell a friend about the show, that would be great too. Check out the show notes for links and contact information. Until the next episode, thanks and happy collaborating.